What's going on, good people? Welcome to the newest episode of the Paul Rivera Podcast. I have not only a good friend, um, someone I truly, truly enjoy working with, and there's not many people. Um, I, have, I have a bucket of good friends, really good friends. I have a bucket of people I love working with. It's a very small group of someone that fits in both of those. I'd like to introduce my good friend, Alfie Brody, VP of Marketing at 2K. Alfie, what up, baby? What up, my man? Good to see you, P. Thank you for Good the intro. I'll give you that money later that I owe you for that. <laughs> How you been? Before we get started, all's well. Family's healthy. Kids are good. Everyone's good, man. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we're we're hanging strong, just like everyone else, trying to operate in the twilight zone and do the best we can. Forward momentum, man. That's what that's the objective. For sure, that's all we can do, man. But before yep. we get into, you know, all the amazing things you and your team have created and built over at 2K, I'd love to, you know take a trip down memory lane somewhat as it relates to your career, if you could kind of give us um, a picture into like how you got to 2K, like, and then we'll get into 2K. I grew up in Ohio and Columbus. I can't uh, get away from you Ohio guys, man. I can't I'm telling get away you, from man, you. go Bucks, OH. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you know, I was, uh, I actually listened to your, your chat with Jamal Henderson, uh, your podcast, and he, he was talking about his youth basketball and his quest to make it to the NBA, but he said he was trash. I was more trash than him. Than <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I wanted, you know, every kid wants to make it to the league, right? So I, I was a hoops junkie. Uh, and then uh, high school, after high school, I went to college in West Virginia because I wanted to extend my basketball career. But uh, graduating high school, 6'6", 160, you don't have many options. So <laughs> D2 it was. So I had a solid four years there and then uh, aspired to coach hoops. So that took me to Xavier University in Cincinnati. And uh, under the late, great Skip Prosser, I got a couple years of tutelage and learned, you know, as a GA, uh, learned, you know, the, the coaching ranks uh, at that level. Uh, and then at that point, I just pivoted and said, look, it's time to get into something else, make some money. So I uh, went into sports marketing, seemed like a natural transition. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish I could say my entire career was like completely choreographed, but you know, uh, I'll get to that, but it's, it's, you know, it's networking, it's friends like yourselves and, you know, uh, leveraging relationships to get to the next, the next spot. But, uh, worked at a small agency in Baltimore, focused on collegiate sports marketing, did that for a few years and then, uh, migrated actually back to Ohio, uh, to Cleveland, like in 2000, 2001 to work for Red Bull energy drink. Also kind of a, it was kind of a hybrid. It was really early in the, um, their kind of foray into the U.S. market. So it was kind of a hybrid brand sports marketing role. I had the Midwest region. Uh, and so great experience there. And then from there uh, to the NBA in New York. So uh, back to the East Coast and five years at the league, um, working for, at the time, Mark Tatum, uh, the, you know, marketing partnerships group, got a lot of great experience, a lot of uh, amazing exposure to, to blue chip brands, including Gatorade. So I actually joined them after the league in Chicago. So that was a four year, similar role, you know, kind of but mostly brand marketing, had some exposure to sports as well. And then uh, a old colleague of mine from Red Bull, Jason Argent called me up and uh, told me about 2K. I was obviously familiar. When I was at the league, I actually had uh, EA as, a, as one of my, my partners as well. So I was, I was familiar with gaming. And uh, they wanted someone, you know, with the marketing fundamentals, but also a hoops junkie, someone that actually knew the game. And this was, you know, almost seven years ago. So relatively speaking, it was a small, 
small business and uh, really hadn't like leaned into culture that much yet. They had really been focusing on the basketball simulation. Uh, and so he enticed me, moved to California, you know, great brand. Uh, obviously the, the content was something I was interested in. Gatorade was kind of across all sports and here it was hyper-focused on hoops. So I made the move to 2K. So, I mean, most of those moves were, you know, relationships and, mm -hmm. and friendlies. But I want to I want to talk about that for a second, Alfie. It's like, you know, when I go and speak at schools or kids that will DM me or any of those things, it's like I always hear like kids like, you know, or young people say, you know, I don't have it all figured out yet what I want to do or I have it so figured out that I'll only take this type of job. You know, I think your career, you know, trajectory is a perfect example of like, you know, you went and did the coaching thing. You went and did an agency thing. You went and worked at a brand. You worked at a league, you know. And, and it was relationships along the way. But if I asked you today, you didn't know each one of those steps would lead to you being at 2K and the role you've been. Talk a little bit about like your journey from that standpoint of like not having all the shit figured out as you're going through it. Yeah, no, it's, it's look, I talk to young people too, man. And as cliche as it sounds, like, you know, you can't plan for that, right? Like I had a mentor early on and just said, don't overthink this. Like be a good human, work your ass off like learn, have a thirst for learn. Again, it sounds cliche, but it's, it's totally true. And uh, better, you know, expand your skill set, uh, look to expand your scope of work, even get out of your comfort zone, all these things that people hear a lot. You focus on those things. It's, it's amazing how things happen naturally, man. And you definitely leverage relationships and, and you definitely take risks. Like a lot of those, like, you know, once I had to start out of a family, like, New York to Chicago, Chicago to California. It was like uprooting my entire family, mm -hmm. my wife quitting her job for me. That's a lot of risk, really intimidating. You got to roll the dice sometimes. You do your, do your math, you do your research, your due diligence, you make calculated decisions and risks, and, and they often pan out. Sometimes, sometimes they don't, but like you, you kind of follow that methodology. Dude, I found it to be like super fulfilling and, and you know, uh, enjoyable. Yeah, it's so true, man. I remember when I was at Nike, you know, um, I got offered like a promotion after being there, you know, a while, like, like my second or third promotion. And I remember telling my boss at the time, man, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I don't know if I love that, you know, this opportunity. And to his credit, he told me, he said, you know how long I've been at Nike? And I said, yeah, 16 years. He goes, you know how many cities I've lived in? Yeah. I said, uh, I don't know. He said nine. He goes, you think I loved every single one of those moves and every single one of those cities? No, but I was playing long game, right? So I think that's something that, you know, younger people sometimes lose sight of that it's like the aperture is so tight and so focused on what they want to be that they think it's, a, I always say that, you know, the, the path to success or growth isn't always linear, right? Okay. It isn't always vertical. It's, you know, sometimes you got to take a step here to get here. Yeah. Um, so it's super interesting. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with that more hearing like, hey, you know what? Some of it is a leap of faith. You know, most of it is calculated guess and hard work and, you know, and some trust in it and, and, and betting on the long game, you know? Yeah, that's what's amazing about companies like Nike and even PepsiCo where I was at. Like, they don't give you a choice. Like, they'll <laughs> tell you, you may not want to, like, you can move from marketing to sales. And that seems like a big jump. But if you don't, you're going to limit yourself as far as future growth. We're not going to, we're going to actually... Not only get, you're going to move, make the move, but we're going to quantify the time you're going to be in the, the role. You get 18 months, and then we're going to take you somewhere else. Hundred percent. So you get to 2K seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, January of uh, it's almost it'll be seven in January of 14. Wow, time flies. Um, I love role. We had LeBron on the cover. 2K 14. <laughs>
of course, of course. It comes full circle. Yep. Um, what role do you take at 2K when you first got there? This role. This role. You took this role at 2K. Correct. And, and safe to say, right, I know you're one of the most humble guys I know, um, and you always give your team all the credit, which I really, one of the things I really respect about you. Um, but safe to say the 2K you stepped into day one was a very different 2K from the game itself, if nothing else, as it is today, right? Can you talk about a little bit about what, like, your day one at 2K was? The game itself was a Ferrari, and we were tasked with growth, right? It's like we're – and at the time, we certainly didn't think we could get to where we are today. So it was not only, like, commercial growth, but we're watching – like, we have the luxury of being a licensee of the NBA, right? So we're watching the NBA on this fucking trajectory like that, and all of the ancillary activity around basketball – the objective was like twofold from a marketing perspective. It's like, what can we do to harness that? And like you said, I mean, like we've grown people wise. We've certainly grown commercially a lot of, lot of contributions from a lot of people, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty remarkable, like the trajectory of growth in seven years. And again, like, you know, I'm not being overly humble. Like you have the NBA, right? The pinnacle of like, not only yeah. sports, but marketing and tech. And like, we're just kind of jumping on the coattails of the league and everything they're doing. Do you remember what your like, I don't know, maybe two, three like focuses or like when like you step into the role day one and you're like, you know what? I need to achieve like, if nothing else, I'm going to focus on these two or three things. Do you remember what those were? Yeah. I mean, commercially it was definitely international. That was the biggest focus, right? It's like, what can we do outside the United States? We actually at the time thought we were saturated domestically. So it was really naive to think that, but like, we just didn't know what we didn't know. So it was like international, like what can we do to build infrastructure and relationships with retail? And like, how do we market the game in Europe and in Asia specifically? Uh, and then from a, just from a fundamental marketing perspective, it was like culture, like the culture of hoops, like what can we do? We have a soundtrack in the game, but we license 50 songs, we make a soundtrack, we launch the game, that's it. Is there anything else we could do around music outside of the game, inside of the game? Uh, same thing for fashion, right? Like we, at the time we had like basic cosmetic items that you could put on your avatar. So that was a huge priority early on. Like how do we lay out a five-year strategy to lean into the, again, the culture around hoops and fashion, sneakers, the relationships with Nike and Adidas and everyone else were kind of in their infant stages. So how do we grow those and in game, out of game? So I think those, those are probably the big ones. Commercially, it was definitely international. And, and how do we, you know, in, you know, the, the revenue piece, obviously, of course, in, of course, in game monetization, it was early. We, you know, we were selling full game units, but how do we build a self-contained commercial business inside the game? Uh, but I got it. That was, that was pretty similar to all video games. Yeah, got it. So obviously, you know, I, I spent uh, a portion of my career over at Beats, Beats by Dre. Um, shout out to everyone over there. And um, I see so many similarities in the mindset of what Beats was, at least when I was there. And I'm sure to an extent it still is now. Um, and, and you guys, even though I've never worked there, my relationship with you of like, <clears throat> I think when competitors and other brands focused on, you know, B-Tech competitors that were all about like the sound and, you know, and had engineers talking about, you know, all like the intricacies of the sound and whatnot. And you guys had competitors that were like, 
all about the gameplay and this and that. And it doesn't mean there was less of a focus, but you were like, there's a ton of other shit in the orbit that we're going to put yep. equal importance on. Yeah. The culture of, around music, the culture around the game. I think that's probably the greatest. I mean, the gameplay itself is incredible and second to yeah. none, but I think for you guys, it's like, that's the big point of differentiation. You know, that had to be a focus, right? Like when you got into sneaker culture and all that stuff, like can yeah. you talk a little bit about, about that, about like that conscious effort and decision to say, we're going to put equal importance on this piece as well as the gameplay. Yeah, look, I mean, like we, I don't, and I'm not, I never worked at Beats either, but like from what I've studied and obviously talked to you many times, like I feel like Beats was definitely more analogous to like Red Bull, where it was like about disruption and like just blank canvas, we're going to fuck up the whole industry and do our thing yep. and find our niche. And like with 2K, we're obviously a licensee of the NBA, so we can't literally do anything we want, but the idea was like, how do we authentically play in the space, right? Like the goal for the game early on was to have this living, breathing, live service kind of evergreen ecosystem. And if you have that, then you could add content dynamically, like think Fortnite, right? Like you add content dynamically. And, and the fact that we were, uh, you know, uh, tied at the hip with the NBA and, at the, you know, as we grew Nike and streetwear brands and, music labels, we started to realize that not only we were a video game, and this is not just marketing speak, but we were very much a platform for discovery, like sure. self-expression and discovery. So there's no reason that we couldn't authentically launch music or launch clothing or, you know, UGC perspective, like bring our consumer into the ecosystem and let them showcase whatever it is, their music or their up and coming fashion brand or, you know, present day, like it's social activism and give our consumer a voice on a global platform. So that was kind of the big objective. And then tactically, again, like a lot of people participated, but we, we took kind of a walk before you run approach and focused on a particular thing like music and said, look, like if we want to launch music, what is it going to take technically and operationally? And then who outside the game do we focus on in order to, again, the, the key was to be authentic to like the game of basketball and the culture around basketball. And who do we work with to bring that to life? So the label or the Steve Stouts of the world, United Masters or individual artists uh, or, you know, starting kind of an up and coming, you know, a platform launch platform for, you know, street level artists. Uh, clothing, the same thing. Like we didn't go after, of course we do Nike because I mean, they're endemic to the game, but like who are the up and coming, who's, you know, who's tomorrow's bait and, you know, who's to tomorrow's Supreme. Let's identify them on a street level and give them an opportunity to showcase their stuff in the game. And then five years from now, they're, you know, they're the Supreme. Uh, and so like we are kind of uniquely positioned to, to set those uh, entities on that trajectory. So that's what we're, we're trying to do that, but we're definitely doing it slowly. Let me ask, like, you guys have, shit, maybe the biggest platform as it relates to, like, just that intersection we're talking about, sport culture and, and, and speaking authentic to the game. Um, I feel like everyone, the, the, let me rephrase that, the brands that do it really well do it really well at the highest level, right? They get the right big brands. They get the Nikes, the Adis, Virgil and Off-White, you know, those types of things. Um, Travis, right? I've never seen anyone play as well in both sandboxes as you guys do, like you just alluded to, right? You guys get all that right. Yeah, we're going to get that right because we're going to get that right. We know what the fuck we're talking about. 
but you guys also not only identify young up and coming talent, but you also invest in them and give them the platform. Why has that been important to you guys as a brand and you personally? Yeah. I mean, look like the, 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 the core of our game is the community, man. Like we're tens of millions of strong now across the world. And we know you, 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 every time we launch a game, you see the, the reaction from the community, right? Like they nitpick every single detail. <laughs> and so again, like authentic authenticity is overused, but like that is hugely important to the community. So from our perspective, like we, we, we communicate with the community. We ask them what they're interested in. There's a ton of effort to listen to the global community and aggregate all those insights and then use those to inform not only game design, but marketing strategy. And early on, they like one key thing was like, look, like we play your game. We love basketball, but we love sneakers. We love music. We love streetwear. We love hanging out with our friends at the park on the blacktop. We like talking shit. We love like expressing ourselves. We want to be able to like have a blow horn on the park and like, you know, whatever it might be. So like that, that was why it was important is because our community was demanding it of us and, you know, we couldn't ignore it. Uh, and certainly as we like listened, it became, it became the right thing to do. Like it was, and this wasn't from a marketing perspective. It was like, what's happening in the world of basketball, this let's, let's make sure we're replicating real life in the game. And then not only replicating, but like taking it one step further as much as we can. I love so it. I want, no, I love it. You know, working at Nike, it's like people sometimes are surprised to hear like, hey, you come up with the greatest idea in the world at Nike. It takes 12 months to 18 months to make a shoe. <laughs> like that's, they're still cutting corners on that thing, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I've always been so impressed about you guys is like the speed at which you guys can like react to culture, yeah. you know, recently, shit, I don't know if it was a month ago, two months ago at this point, I connected you with a brand, with a clothing brand. Yeah. Hey, you guys do what you do if it makes sense. And you hit me like a week later, like, hey, thanks, we got that done. I'm like, what do you mean you got it done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about, about that, about like the speed yeah. in which you guys can do that shit. Thank you for that lead, by the way. Keep them coming. Always, always. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, it's, it's fun. That's a really good question because like, you know, PepsiCo, great experience, but like Nike, hugely matrixed and getting from point A to point B is super difficult. Certainly you come up with a great idea, which you think is a great idea, the ability to like vet it, get budget, execute. Like yeah. by the time you, you want to do it, it's kind of died on the vine. That's another reason you asked earlier, like what got me to 2K, like it was certainly a step down as far as size of company and, and business. But one of the great things, you know, like in the absence of me being a, an entrepreneur on my own was joining basically a startup. Like at the time, mm -hmm super lean. There weren't a lot of people. We certainly had money to spend because the, the, the business was healthy, but the ability to like be nimble like that is incredible, especially as a, from a marketing perspective, mm -hmm. uh, just like on a baseline level. And then you add the fact that we, we have a game that's happening in real life and to be able to react to that or a clothing lot like LeBron rocks Tom Ford. And then three days later, we can do something that's, with that or slots launches head uh, headphones and we can react like that's incredibly appealing and then the each as you, each year passes the game becomes more and more dynamic like it's a, a service and online so the ability to add content a la Fortnite that you everyone's seen just gives you you know sky's the limit as far as what you can do so where we can come up with an idea on monday activate on wednesday like we're i want 
I want to talk about a huge part of your game, you know, that's evolved. I mean, shit, maybe equally, maybe greater than even the game has evolved is like your role in, in sneaker culture, right? And, and what a big part of 2K sneakers have become. Can you talk about that evolution from like what, the, what role sneakers played in 2K when you first got there and some of the amazing thing you guys are doing now? Like you just launched, you know, D Lillard shoe like in the game. Like talk about that a little bit, please. Yeah, look, like uh, early on, it was just, you know, what the, the players were wearing on court. So it was the inline product. It was, uh, you know, it was important to the NBA. It was important to Nike. It was important to the players. I say Nike, but all, all shoe, shoe brands of course. to uh, be authentic to what was on the court. So we couldn't put the wrong shoe on players. So that was kind of the base strategy was just, you know, Nike's like, here's our guys. They're going to wear this. They send us the shoes. We scan them into the game. They're wearing them on their, on their team, you know, on their avatars. Yeah. At a uh, minimum, don't, don't fuck up what they wear on court. Like, that's right. Don't fuck up what they wear right. on court. Yeah. Right. Right. Like not only will you, you will get pissed off, but your community will be furious. Right. Right. Uh, so that was the baseline. But then of course, as we grew and our demo got younger, uh, and you know, like the size of the universe is big and the demo is very young clearly from a shoe brand standpoint it was a great platform to launch uh you know new uh, new shoes so the the conversations early were you know nike's the world uh obviously again we're limited to the nba partners but like all of their partners we, we approach and they looked at us as a uh, a you know a digital media spend an opportunity to to uh interact with a super young uh influencer tastemaker uh, all of the kids, if they're not buying the high heat shoes, they aspire to buy them and they'll talk about them and they'll tell their friends they wish they had them. And this is pre StockX, right? Uh, so they're chasing, they're sitting outside and, uh, you know, sitting outside the shoe stores, whatever, um, flight club for hours and hours trying to get their kicks. And so could we give an experience in the game that rewards consumers, not necessarily with physical shoes, but like putting them on their avatar Mm -hmm. or launching a particular shoe, digital only shoe in the game. Um, you know, the, uh, the case study I love to talk about is like Jerry Lorenzo and Fear of God. Like we, before his shoe hit the streets, it hit our game. And they used our game and the imagery of that shoe in the game as kind of their center, um, their centerpiece of their marketing to the point where like ESPN and all the outlets are covering the launch via our game, right? So stuff like that all were concepts that came from like conversations on how to amplify a particular drop, what's unique, like how to leverage the game and the tens of millions of young people that love, would love to have that shoe. How do we use them as a voice to kind of amplify the, the overall marketing efforts? It's funny, man. I remember talking to, you know, a friend of both of ours, Don C, um, yeah. at ComplexCon on a panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, I think that might be the last time I saw you, bro. Probably. I like the I last time I saw life. human life. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, but I remember asking Don C, who's like one of the best guys in the game. Um, and I asked him, you know, how it felt, you know, to have, you know, his line, you know, in the game. And he was like, yeah. oh, I felt, I felt like I made it. Right. And this is a guy that's seen it all, has yeah. been around the world with Ye and has had a brand just Don, that's done great things. And, and he was like, I felt like I made it. Is that something you hear often where like even some established brands are like, oh shit, this is really like a badge of honor? Yeah, for sure. Even, I mean, big brands, small brands, I mean, it's, you know, it's incredibly humbling, but like the, it's gotten so big and we have such a captive audience, such a passionate, like engaged, like the, 
you know, these kids, man, they, they'll spend, I mean, you have a son, dude, that plays 2K. Like, these kids are playing. I'm very well aware how much they spend, Alfie. I'll tell you. <laughs> like, just, you know, just the time spent playing the game. Like, the game's so good, and it's so, it evolves. So, yeah, I mean, it's incredible, man. And, and you know, even beyond, like, the, uh, the in-game partners, the athletes, man. Like, you know, I'll never forget KD 2K15. Like he had, he had it in his talking points to say, at least that, from what I hear, I, I can't, this might be unsubstantiated, but he had in his talking points when he got the MVP that he's like, when I was growing up, it was like championship MVP cover of 2K. Wow. And even if that's not true, if it's anecdotal or whatever, like. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's we're, right. We're dude, that's with right. It. But like <laughs> the fact that like players say that, we hear that directly, like literally it's a great example, like our, our cover athlete right now, like. You know, he's just, he's been on, you know, he's, we, we partnered with him for years now. It's probably five, six years, an incredible partner, loves a game. And like, this is kind of the pinnacle of success for his words, pinnacle of success for him to finally get when he's a diehard gamer. Kyrie, same thing. You know, even LeBron, like we got him twice in my, just in my time here, we've had him on twice. So. Listen, I remember the first time LeBron, this is a fact, the first time LeBron ever played with his players was on 2K and he's literally running sets with them and doing all this stuff like that was like yeah. not lost. I mean, we're on a plane together and he's he's like, come on, AD, you got to go get that, baby. Like, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then two is, I don't know if you remember this, when we were shooting for him being on the cover, um, I took a picture of him on set in the uniform and I posted it. Oh, and the, Lakers, people, the new Lakers uniform. Yes, and people oh, yeah. went ape shit. It was the first time anyone had seen him yeah. in the Lakers uniform. Yeah. So, like, you guys are so, like, integrated in the game. It's, like, it literally isn't even about, like, trying to connect the culture. You guys now are, like, helping create it in a lot of ways as well, which is really special to see. Um, one of the, you know, one of the things, you know, last year we had, you know, uh, the good fortune to really partner and work with you guys on 2K20. And I don't think people realize the amount of work, and I'm not even saying us, anyone, the amount of work that goes, I mean, you talk about writing a script, you talk about casting actors, you talk yeah. about, it's like shooting a movie. No, it, it literally is like shooting a movie, yeah. Talk about that process a little bit, like what goes, what goes into what they see in Final Product off the court, not just the game mode itself. Yeah, look, like uh, that goes down as one of my greatest uh, experiences in my career, man, and uh, I'll keep the upfront short, but like, you know, our community, again, back to our community, they said, look, my career, the narrative driven experience in the game, it's essentially a movie. It's two hour, you know, movie. You're the star of a two hour movie. Mm -hmm. uh, they said, look, like, it's great. But like, wouldn't it be amazing if like, again, through the lens of authenticity, like you add better talent and maybe a, a high profile director? What if you had a script written by someone who really knows hoops and cinema and like that whole package? And so like light bulbs went off. I'm like, dude, it's, it's Spring Hill. And you guys were just getting things going really yeah. with Warner Brothers. And so I called you and Mav and like that, the objective was like a really authentic story in the game, unlike anything we've ever done before. Obviously E-rated game, NBA. Of course. It couldn't be like, you know, a Spike Lee joint. Although <laughs> I tried to do that a long time ago. Of course. <laughs> but uh but it, you know, we definitely wanted like, to your point, it was like, how do we find a really good script writer, really good director, have the production quality that we've never yeah. had, treat it like a movie, like not, not like a motion capture experience, but a truly like set up a movie set, 
and so, yeah, we, we tackled that. I was a labor of love, man. It was 18 months, like a lot of grinding, like, you know, annual release. This is an iterative franchise, man. We're every year we're September. And, uh, so like that timeline was so truncated. I've never seen anything like in my life and kudos to the goal, the like hundreds of people to participate. We got it done. I think it's the best, my career story. I know it's the best my career story I've ever done. Man, I will give you when I knew we, we, our team, your team, our one collective team that worked on it hit the mark. Um, I have, uh, my godson, uh, is 16 now. Um, his name is Jake. Um, and he plays 2K literally every day, all day. Be very clear. It's what he wants to do. It's what he loves to do. Um, and he calls me and he's, I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm like, what's up, champ? And he's like, he calls me Dio, uncle in Spanish. He's like, Dio, man, I, I just, I need your advice, man. And I'm like, everything okay? He goes, yeah, I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, all right, what's up? I'm thinking it's a girl, school, right, maybe right, his, right, his right. parents aren't getting along. He goes, trying to get ready for the draft and I got to work out, but, but Maverick Carter keeps inviting me to business meetings, man. And I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it hits me. He's talking about the game. Yeah. And I'm like, um, well, you got to work on your game. He goes, I know, but I can't say no to Maverick. Yeah, Carter. Like, a, you know, it's no, it was a real decision, man. <laughs> Alfie, it was a real thing. He's like, help me work through this. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, we, we hit the mark. Like we collectively as a unit, as a game, yeah. as a property, we hit the mark when, He's really struggling internally with what the right thing to do. I'm telling you, look, when 2K writes it, and again, like our writers do an amazing job and have always, but like when Matt, when Spring Hill writes it, Maverick's like actually articulating and like kind of choreographing what you're going to do in the game, like that's fucking authentic, right? Like that mm. actually happened. And Mav's approach that I remember, he's like, I'm going to do, ex- I'm going to write exactly the conversations that I had with LeBron next to me mm-hmm. early, in the, early on. And that's mm-hmm. what came to life. And then the same approach to like all the other branches that you have in that experience, you have to make decisions, the implications on like endorsements versus working out versus your reaction to conflict and all this stuff. It was all through the lens of what probably LeBron and other players, but like what actually happens on the, uh, you know, in that experience. For sure. So I just gave you an example of like a 16 year old kid in this game meaning so much to him. The flip side of that coin is I have, <laughs> I'm sure you have more than I have. I have seen real life NBA professional players worth a hundred million dollars go absolutely apeshit when yeah. they when the ratings come out and they yep. don't agree with yeah. their rating. Yeah. Okay, talk to me a little bit about how you get to ratings and kind of what that experience yeah. has been like, good and bad. Look, that's uh, that is definitely uh, like it's a good question and, and you know a topic every year, man. Now it's gotten to the point where like it's its own standalone kind of moment in time, right? Where press is in, are interested, players are interested, consumers are interested. You guys, uh, are, the sor- you guys are the source five mics. Like, like literally you. it's yeah, the version right. of it for sure. That's right. Uh, I mean, I can tell you there's a lot of science that goes into the ratings. Like a lot of people think, first of all, I think it, like Ronnie 2K does it. That's absurd. He does not do it. Um, <laughs> they also think it's very arbitrary. It's not like there's no kind of subjectivity whatsoever, man. There's a lot of science. I think I... I couldn't even list all the variables, but it's everything to do with gameplay and, you know, and it's real time because as, it, as the gamers know, like that rating, we come out of the gates with a rating and then it's, it changes over time. And it's all based on everything that's going on in the court, all the stats you can think of on court, anything that you can read about 
uh, from a player's performance perspective. We aggregate all those same stats, and that's what goes into the rating. I saw a guy recently when you guys uh, launched 2K21. Congrats again, by the way. Um, and uh, a guy literally posted, I won't say his name, but he literally posted um, his stats. Like, I averaged 5.7 rebounds. How come my rebound rate? Like, it was like they literally, like, really care. And, it, and yeah. for me, it's like, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, they hit the mark. Like, when people care this much, yeah. you know, it lets you know you've hit it, you know, and those are the conversations you want. Even if people are upset about it, you'd rather them care. Yeah. Um, than not care at all, man. So um, cover cover stars, cover subjects. Yep. How do you get to, to me, it always feels like, you know, LeBron always says to win a championship, any championship, you got to be A, really fucking good and be yep. a little lucky, right? Yep. I kind of feel like it's almost like the same science to like picking the cover star where you guys have to do it so far in advance. Um, talk a little bit about like how you guys get to a cover star. Yeah, no, it's, it's a super good question. And I mean, look, we, we approach cover stars now, like it's usually in that kind of late fall, early spring time frame is when we're looking at it. So obviously performance on the court, like we want a high performer for obvious reasons. Like the, the cover of 2K is, is, is valued and revered. And, you know, from our perspective, we're not trying to like overanalyze it, but like it's these guys aspire to get the cover. Like we want someone who's a high performer on the court. But more than that, man, it's the authenticity for the game. Like we love guys that actually we want we want guys who like the game. Like we don't want to put someone on the cover of a basketball video game that doesn't play it or doesn't like it. So like someone who actually engages with our brand and like either has played or still plays the game. That that's a huge factor. Um, we like people who are good to work with, man. I mean, it's honestly it's it, again, it sounds cliche, but like philosophically, we like guys that are good people that are like, will give us the time. And like, you know, we're still, as much as we're part of the culture now and a lifestyle, we still have a product to move. And so we want someone who's going to be engaged and help us do that and help us kind of build the business uh, culturally and commercially. So someone's going to have to like show some effort. Uh, and, and uh, I mean, those are the main, you hit the main, the main thing, MVP candidate. Oftentimes we look at like, at least for the base cover, right? Uh, the standard edition, we look at guys are kind of on the upward trajectory too. Like haven't like jumped the shark, unless we're talking legend edition. And obviously LeBron was the first live, you know, current player. on yeah. that cover. Yeah. Uh, So guys like Dane and, and, you know, historically look at 2K15 with KD, even LeBron in 14, uh, like, you know, we had Steph in 16, Anthony Davis, James Harden. Like, these guys hadn't won a single MVP yet. They had I feel, like you, I yeah. feel like you guys are the, the, the flip side of the Madden curse. I feel like you right. guys, yeah. you know, there was a time when people were like, no, 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 I'm good. Thank you. I, yeah. I'll pass yeah. on the cover. With you I guys, forgot. it's like. Yeah, number one is luck. You mentioned that. I should have started with that. <laughs> luck has a lot to do with it, too, then. Yeah, you got to put yourself in a position to be lucky, though. So you got to take some credit right. for it, man. That's right. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask um, Mamba forever. Um, yeah. What was that process like? You know, I mean, again, you guys hit the mark and it just felt right. But, you know, what, what went into the thinking of it, you know, um, and how do you feel with how it came out? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. So uh, we go way back with Kobe's, Kobe and, and his broader camp. And uh, uh, after the terrible, unfortunate passing, like we were really conflicted and we were open with, you know, his, his wife and his, his representation, like we want to continue our relationship. And obviously from a 
you know, a game standpoint, like he's part of basketball legacy now and is one of one of the greatest of all times. So we want that to maintain. And the camp kind of said, look, like we know the world wants to see Kobe on the cover. We had an interest in that. Uh, for you know, our obvious concerns were like not commercializing his death, not monetizing his death. Of course. Uh, and you know, it what you see now came from conversations with the family and his estate. And uh, the approach was not to overly commercialize it. So we decided to like capture and memorialize him in time. So this year is unique where we have. Uh, you know, generation four hardware, PS4, Xbox One. And we also have this fall launching generation five hardware, X, uh, PS5 and, and, and Xbox Series uh, X. So the idea was this guy played 20 years in the league for that generation four hardware. We're going to capture him in one of his most iconic moments and have it hand painted. That wow. would be the, the cover. And then for generation five would be the second 10 years and, a, you know, another iconic moment, his, his wave as he's walking off court. Uh, so we had him hand painted and, you know, everything we do with his estate now is about honoring his legacy. We're, we have a lot planned as it relates to the community, whether it's Philly or LA or Italy or anywhere else. Like we, we, we have a lot of plans to kind of, uh, activate the community over the next six to 10 months uh, around his legacy. And then obviously in game, there's some other planned activations as well. But like the main insight that we shared with his estate was the community demanded it. Like, mm. they're like if you don't put Kobe on the cover, like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like it was the, it. one of the biggest moments in the history of the game, right? Is his death. So uh, to honor him, we had to do it. I love it. Uh, two more questions before I let you get out of here. One is, I feel like there's been a, a significant shift in like just gaming as a whole, right? Like when you and I were maybe like in high school and playing games, I, I mean, let's, not, let's forget about like the, the, the quality of the games. That obviously is night and day, but just even the mindset around them. Like I know my parents are like, you know, you're wasting your time doing that thing, go out and play or go study or do, go do whatever. And I think, you know, because of, you know, the 2K League and because of, you know, I think some schools may even give scholarships now or whatnot for games, yeah, right? Like, yeah. because of all those things, the narrative has changed around, like, hey, this is a positive thing and whatnot. Have, have you guys seen that shift in culture on how it's perceived and kind of, like, the opportunities there are in that world? No, for sure, man. It, it's something we talk about often. Like, it's no longer kind of the, whatever, the nerdy kid in his mom's basement uh it's no longer wasting time uh you know there is a avenue for success a path for success or even just you know from an interactive entertainment standpoint immense enjoyment right it's additive it's not like taken away from anyone's like mental capacity or anything like that right. that those misnomers are like a thing of the past so like whether it's esports where you can be a competitive gamer man and be successful you get a you can get us like lots of colleges are offering scholarships now you can get paid a lot of money and get endorsement deals. Like it's just like the, relatively speaking, just like the real NBA. Like you can get a contract with a team and endorsement deals and be very successful. Um, I think certainly in present day, it is an avenue to like decompress, right? Like kids like are dealing with a lot right now. Parents are yeah. dealing with a lot right now. So like from a, you know, entertainment standpoint, it's no longer, uh, a bad thing like playing video games certainly sports games are great and i think like 
separate from that, like you just focus on academia, like that's a whole focus for us with like 2K Foundation's charitable initiative is like software engineering and coding, right? Like we're working with various organizations, including the I Promise School on like stuff we can do for kids and in implementing curriculum or at least uh, giving them the tools to learn about gaming, game development. Uh, so that's another whole thing that didn't really exist years ago. Now we're leaning into it because it's it's not the same. When, we, when it was the Atari 2600 back in the day <laughs> when we were playing, like it's a completely different game now. Hey, Honestly. just hand hand it off to Bo, baby. Hand it off that's to right. Bo right. and get out the way. <laughs> uh, you know, perfect transition to my last question. I feel like there are so many similarities, man, which is why, you know, the game is so awesome. Um, you know, I think when, when, when we were growing up, we were very clear on like, hey, I love the game of basketball. There's Michael Jordan or there's Magic or there's this guy. I want to be that, right? Most of us, 99.9% .9 of us can't be that. But I didn't know that my job existed, right? I didn't know that Mav's job existed. I didn't know that Rich Paul's job existed. I didn't know that Randy's job existed. I feel in a lot of ways, you're that new generation of that, that there are kids now that know they love the game, they love gaming, and they may think that their path is like to be a professional gamer, right? And that's a possibility and an option, but there are a lot more jobs around the game, right? So where I'm going with this is for those young kids, 15-year-old kids, 16-year-old kids that are listening that know they love this world, they love gaming, they love 2K, um, but not sure how to get into that world or what, you know, what they should be focusing on to, to give themselves an opportunity. What advice would you give those kids? What are things they could do? let's say 17 year old kid that's now coming out of high school, what are things they could do to prepare themselves to have an opportunity in this space? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. One that we talk about as well, like, you know, whether it's starting an internship program or working with graduate schools, colleges on, you know, paths to get into the industry. Um, to answer your question, I mean, like from, from, a, from a high school, college kid standpoint, it's, you know, again, I hate to sound cliche, but it's to follow your passion. Like the brief, like we get inquiries all the time and it's like, I just love your game. Like, I don't know what the fuck I want to do. I just want to work for 2K. Like, tell me, like, here's what I, here's what I love to do. I love music. I make my own music. And like, honestly, I, that passion point is enough to at least get the conversation started. I mean, there's other variables in play, right? You got to get, of course, get in contact with somebody and make a connection and stuff like whether it's LinkedIn or personally or whatever. But like, I feel like identifying what's really driving your passion for, in our case, 2K, can lead to something else. We hire people all the time, like from a creative services standpoint, like we hire people all the time from the community who are just content creators. They just started a YouTube page, started making videos, started streaming, and they started building their fan base. All they loved was the game and like interacting with their friends and community. But that led to a job in edit, video editing or production or whatever, stuff like that. Or, you know, from a marketing standpoint with brand, you know, we love, we love kids that like no sneakers and no fashion. You asked earlier, like how we kind of infiltrate the streets. It's like, listen to our community. And I, we've hired a few people that like had their own, granted, not that successful, but up and coming fashion brands. Like we knew that they had a, their pulse on what was cool and what kids were wearing in various communities around the world. So why not give them an opportunity to leverage that? So I think I it's like identify what's really driving you and then, uh, you know, collect as many insights you can from people you trust, certainly mentors and figure out how to leverage that 
it, uh, that passion into a, a, a job. Love it, man. Um, yeah. What should we be on the lookout for? What are you excited about with 2K? Um, what can, I know you can't tell us too much, but what can you share that we should be on the lookout for that you're really excited um, as we get to closing out 2020? Yeah, uh, I tell you what, I, we, we just launched Current Gen, right? Um, so that's that's been great. Um, I'm equally as excited for next gen, the Gen 5, you know, coming out in, in November. Uh, there are big, big things in this game to come. So uh, over the next month, we're going to be releasing everything uh, within that game. Uh, a lot of stuff in the fall. Uh, obviously some stuff, you know, I'm really excited about what we're going to be doing with you guys in the future. I'm not going to get into detail. Yes. But, yes. Uh, that's, that's pretty incredible and never been done before. Groundbreaking stuff. It's going to be incredible. So a lot to come. Alfie, I love it, man. I know you're a busy man. Um, appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. I've, like I said, we've drank vino together and spent yeah, many minutes together. And even I learned. On I'm, off the, I'm off the Hibiki, bro. <laughs> hey, 2020's got me in a lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hey, but appreciate it, man. Um, and I look forward to when we can have one of these drinks in person, brother. Man. Yeah, so likewise, Pete. Thanks for having me, man. Your success for sure. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, talk soon. Peace.